Hey there, Backyardigans. How y'all are? Hey, it's Jeremy, your humble host of the Backyard Bourbon Broadcast. Today's show will be a little bit of a departure from our regular type of show. Uh, a little sadder. Well, a whole lot sadder. Um, it's a podcast I really don't want to do, to be honest with you. Uh, Look, there's this saying, uh, having a dog is hundreds of great days followed by one really bad day. Uh, if you've ever had a dog, you know how this goes and you know how you start subconsciously dreading that bad day in the back of your head from the first day you have that dog. I know I did and I just kept it way back there. Um, but uh, a couple weeks ago, we found out our Bernese Mountain Dog had liver cancer and we had to put our beloved big boy down on March 22nd. Um, really, ever since then, my wife and I have been numb. Uh, our kids have done much better than we have, and I'm thankful for that. And I, I think part of that reason is that you just don't hold on to things as tightly when you're younger than when you get older. You, you start holding on to things. You start realizing how temporary lives are and how permanent death is and you react by trying to cling to things tighter and tighter as you get older and older. So uh, if you want to turn the podcast off, I wouldn't blame you. Uh, God bless you if you keep listening. Um, anyway, here we go. Um, first of first of all, how did, how did we end up naming a dog Liam James? Well, my wife and I had always said if we ever had a boy, we would name him Liam James. And as fate would have it, we had two girls. Lovely, beautiful girls. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, we had what we were supposed to have. I firmly believe that. But it just seemed that the name Liam James wouldn't get used. And we were living in Casper, Wyoming at this time. And we found this breeder out in Lander. He had brought out this little pup. And we got Liam in January of 2010 when he was nine weeks old. Uh, we immediately named him Liam James, and he was just this black, cuddly little bear cub with white stripes and brown paws. If you've ever seen a Bernese Mountain Dog puppy, you know they're just the cutest little things. They literally look like black bear cubs, and from day one, he was the best dog. He never chewed sh uh, shoes or socks. He never ran off, never dove into the trash never rolled in God knows what out in the backyard. He had a few bad experiences with a couple of Disney figurines. Found out the hard way how painful it is to pass a plastic Tinkerbell. He loved long walks out in the snow and the cold and the wind out in Wyoming. And the colder, the better. And the longer the walk, the better. He was the most patient dog with children I've ever seen. I have a video of somewhere of him uh, with my daughters climbing all over him as he chewed on a bone. Never growled, never attacked, just kept on chewing his bone and they were climbing all over him, harassing him, didn't matter. The boy, as I always called him, always seemed happy even if he was experiencing pain. Uh, a lot of burners will get what they call the gulps, which is exactly what it sounds like. The dog just continually, continually gulps for air, like it can't swallow food or is like it's drowning on dry land. It's something with their digestive system, kind of like it's cramped. I don't know. I'm not a vet, but it occurs very frequently with that breed of dog, and it'll scare you to death. 
if it happens to your pup because it seems like there's nothing you can do for him. And literally, you can't do anything for him. It's internal. And the first time it happened, we took ours to the vet who had never seen it before either. And the next thing you know, Liam's having a $1,000 surgery on about a foot-long opening on his stomach. I mean, they, he, he still had that scar uh, until his last day. It was, a, it was about um, 10 inches long on his stomach. Um, long story short, the vet had swore there was something obstructing his breathing, something in his intestines. Uh, he said he could see it in the x-rays, and it, he opened it up, and it was gone. And it, it what it was, I believe, was just air. Um, and I found out too late that the best thing for Liam when he would get that would just be good to go for a long walk. It'd, it'd stretch out his esophagus, um, and within five minutes, he's fine. $1,000 to learn I could just walk my dog. How about that? Uh, it's a costly lesson, but it let us keep our boy. Through all of that, he was wagging his tail and appearing to be happy. In fact, anytime you'd see that dog, his tail was wagging and he was happy. He loved being around people, and even when he was enduring sore hips or the gulps, uh, or even when he endured the painful thing that they call HGE, which is horrific if you had a dog that has had that, um, you know what I'm talking about. That is... That is scary to watch happen. Um, he was still wagging his tail and trying to make everyone else happy. He, he just never wanted to let anyone down. Um, I was able to get Liam into the therapy dog program here at Oklahoma State University, uh, where he went through obedience training, basically teaching him how to behave properly around adults, <laughs> teaching me that as well. Um, though I don't think I did as half as good a job as Liam did. Um, basically, his job, quote-unquote, that he didn't get paid for, but his job uh, whenever he was on campus was to let coworkers, um, professors, students pet him. And there's a lot of students that um, leave their dogs when they come to, to college. They leave them at home, which is good because the dog doesn't need to be lonely, but I'm sure the dog misses the student, and I know the students miss their dogs. So we have this program on campus where we bring the dogs, we bring our dogs to campus, and um, people can just pet the dogs. And uh, I was always amazed at the change I could see within people in a matter of minutes, sometimes even seconds, of just being around Liam. Their walls fell down, um, stressed and panicked looks dissolved, Casual conversations started up. Students would tell me about exams they were nervous nervous about or uh, dogs they missed back home. Adults would tell me stories of their own dogs, how much they loved them, um, or how they had once had a fear of dogs and overcame it. And I personally saw that with a, a kid that was about five years old. Um, we were at a Coaches versus Cancer event, and the boy was terrified of dogs. And... Um, I sat with him. I've got pictures of it somewhere. I sat with him, and he, Liam, had a sixth sense about that. He could sense when people were afraid of dogs, and he was just like, "All you got to do is meet me, and you're gonna love me." And um, eventually, I think it was with about ten minutes, fifteen minutes, that boy was petting Liam, and I've got a picture of Liam working with another um, cancer survivor, and this poor boy was in a uh, a wheelchair 
with um, IV lines, which is really, <laughs> really precarious with this big Bernese mountain dog that's very clumsy in real life. Uh, but in the background, that boy that was afraid of dogs is petting yet another dog. And so a fear, a lifelong fear was avoided for that boy just because we're bringing dogs to campus. It's a really cool program. Um, so yeah, people would overcome their fears. Sometimes people would just sit in silence and that was one of the most touching but still odd things at the same time. Run their hands through Liam's fur, wipe tears away from their cheeks and walk on. And uh, you never knew what people were dealing with, um, but you were pretty sure you helped in some small way. At least Liam helped in some small way. Um, I had created social media accounts for Liam so I could tell people where and when he'd be on campus. And um, after we put him down, we were inundated with messages and pictures from people all across the United States and even across the world in different countries. People had followed the little snippets of Liam's life that I was putting on social media and the lives he touched, reached out to say how they enjoyed seeing his experience and how they were very saddened to, to hear of his passing. It was amazing and it was humbling and it was healing to see the impact that one dog could make on lives all over the world. The days since March 22nd have been a blur and I don't think I could tell you much of what has happened between, between then and now. Um, I don't think I already told you this, but he was, he was diagnosed with liver cancer. We couldn't get him to eat. Um, and this had been going on for a while, for about six months or so. We were having to get real creative to get him to eat his dog food. And um, about 10 days before March 22nd, um, he refused to eat at all. Even the stuff that he normally would. Um, so we had the vet come out. We had the vet come out three weeks before that, actually. And she said, yeah, it, um, his hips seem to be giving him problems, but also uh, his liver. Um, well, at that point, she didn't say anything about his liver, but uh, she came out about 10 days before um, that and said, man, his liver is, is enlarged. And then she came out... Um, five days before we had to put him down and she goes, man, his, his liver is getting even larger. And uh, the day she came to the house, um, she said that she had, could feel another mass on his liver. Um, she had taken blood samples and could see that there was a presence of liver cancer, which is gut-wrenching to find out. Um, but um, right now, uh, everything seems numb. Um, Brandenburg pear trees uh, around town are starting to blossom. And uh, actually now they're fully blossomed and they smell really good, I think. They smell like a lilac bush. And I know I will forever associate that smell with Liam's last day. Um, some days are better than others. Some days I'm able to remember things without buckling into a heaving mess. Other days it just seems to come out of the blue and hit me in the gut. Uh, the hole in my chest doesn't seem to be able to heal and um, 
My eyes haven't been dry in weeks, to be honest. Uh, memories seem to come out of nowhere. They just bring my world to a halt. Thoughts about his last day just bring dark clouds to my mind. And uh, things I don't want to remember about that day just grip my heart and they tighten my throat. And it's doing it. It's doing it now. Um, part of this is survivor guilt. I'm still here, still alive, and my boy isn't. Uh, another part is just wanting to tell everyone I know about Liam, how, about how great he was, about um, how many lives he touched and changed, if only for a little bit. Another part is just emptiness. I feel like I walk around here like a heart donor who survived. Just a big empty hole where my heart used to be. It's amazing. Even though something so precious to you has left this earth, the weight of it still sits directly on your chest. Some days it's just hard to breathe and sleeping... Well, sleeping's overrated, isn't it? Uh, many people have told me things will get better with time. I, I, I believe that will happen. And I know as far as the rest of the world is concerned, this isn't even close to a small deal, let alone a big, big deal. People have to put down their pets every day. People lose their parents and their children to horrible diseases like cancer every day. Um, but if you've ever had a dog, a dog who loved you and who loved others, who lived their life to serve, you know what a hard loss it is when that soul is no longer around you anymore. So that's, that's where I am. Grieving the loss of an incredible best friend who gave selflessly to his family. Death is so hard to understand. Trying to wrap my mind around such a huge presence in my life no longer existing is an impossible task. I've been amazed at how it actually hurts my heart. Whew. Okay, folks. If any of you are left listening, <laughs> that's over. Thank you for listening to me pour my heart out. A great big thank you goes out to the literally hundreds of people who contacted us, hugged our necks, sent us cards, messaged us through social media. We were overwhelmed at the kind response we got from so many people that we didn't even know. Um, on the social media accounts I'd set up for Liam, I had over 400 comments alone on his Twitter phone. Twitter post folks from all over the world offering condolences and saying how they loved following his adventures and how they'd miss him some people even made special photos of our boy and it it meant more than I could tell you if you've gone through this yourself can I just extend to you my sorrow for your loss um, I, I now know what you're going through and it's intense. Um, if you haven't gone through it and are about to, uh, I'm certainly not someone who should give advice, so take this for what it's worth. If, you're, if your experience is like mine so far, you will go through waves of grief, and some are harder than others. Just go through it and ride it out. It is a unique and indescribable pain, but you will come across so many people who will hug you and check in on you is it'll astound you. It'll just... It'll be a weird kind of anesthesia. It doesn't doesn't touch the pain at all, but it... 
it makes you feel better in, in a certain way, but it, it's not going to touch the pain. I, I won't lie to you there. Um, you'll come across the occasional dumbass who thinks pain is a competition and who will say the most insensitive things. Um, that happened to me twice. And uh, I'm still trying to deal with that. L let me give you advice I wish somebody would have given me about people like that. Do yourself a favor and forgive those people as soon as they say it and then just move on. You'll have more than enough to deal with that is more important than to give five seconds of thought to the pathetic hangnail person in your life. Concentrate on the good memories. The small changes your dog made in the lives of so many others, the unconditional love you received, and the blessing that animal brought to your existence. Well, I miss you, Liam. I sure hope you know how much we loved you and how much this decision tore our hearts. I hope you're in heaven just running through mountains of snow and eating up as much of it as you want. And I hope you're chasing squirrels and antelope. And I hope you have your own street lined with fire hydrants. I miss you, and I love you, and I sure hope to, that I get to see you again someday. There's a bottle on the dresser by your ring, and it's empty. Right now I don't feel a thing I'll be hurting When I wake up on the floor But I'll be over it by noon That's the difference Between whiskey and you Come tomorrow I can walk in the store It ain't a problem And they'll always sell me more But your forgiveness Well that's something I can't buy There anything that I can do That's the difference between whiskey and you. One's a devil, one keeps driving me insane. At times I wonder if they ain't both the same. One's a liar, it helps hide me from my pain. One's a long-gone bit of truth That's the difference Between whiskey and you I've got a problem but it ain't like what you think I drink cause I'm lonesome And I'm lonesome cause I drink But if I don't break down And 
bring it on myself It'll hit out of blue That's the difference Between whiskey and you One's a devil One keeps driving me insane At times I wonder Oh, if they ain't both the same One's a liar It helps to hide me from my pain And one's a long-gone bit of truth That's the difference Between whiskey and you Oh, that's different between whiskey and you 